Welcome. We're going to be going over a study together. I've been asked to speak on relationships. Um, I do relationships in different places, but um, I made a new one um, recently. This is the latest one. I haven't uh, presented this yet. This is for specifically for young people, and it's called In Search for Love. And I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to deal with your heart issues. I believe not so much on the outside, but I want to get into your heart. And I want to get into your mind. And I want you to experience the gospel through the word of God and um, practical in the home and how your relationship is in the home with your parents, your dad, your mom, and you're going to see that as we go through the word. Okay? So with that, um, you have your Bibles with you. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 is our uh, opening text. And we'll be going through this study. Now, there's different ways to go through this. If you're just new... Look up the text and just listen. If you're just new to Christianity and the Bible, that's where you're at, that's where you're at, okay? If you are more advanced in your Christian walk, then you can actually look at the Bible text and you can fill in the blanks. If you're, you know, more advanced, and you can listen and write at the same time. If you're really advanced, then you can um, listen, write in the blanks, and you can actually follow along in the reading. But... More importantly, you understand than anything else. Does anyone need a pen? You can be filling out the answers inside this if you need a pen. Okay. Let's start. Within every single one of you, whether you realize it or not, you have a desire to love and to be loved by someone. True? And every one of you want this love feeling. You have this desire and a longing to do this. Um, unfortunately, with searching for this love, there are many people out there who actually, love can go two ways, can it not? Love can actually go good, and love can actually go very bad. How many have seen relationships or been in a relationship where love actually went really bad? Have you guys seen that before? How many of you guys have been in, how many have been in a relationship before? Let me see your hands. Okay. So, how many of you have been in a relationship, you've seen among your friends that relationships went really, really bad? Young, not married, but this relationships. Okay, went bad then, okay. So, you know what love, love can go good, and love can go bad, can it not? Unfortunately, if you get married to the wrong person, you can end up to be the most miserable person there is in this, in this world, right? So, we're going to look at principles here about, from the Word of God, or what God teaches about God's purpose for us. So, as we look at this, may God help us to see... Um, what we're really searching for in our hearts. With that, let us pray. Father, as we begin, we ask for your Holy Spirit that you may be our teacher and help us understand what you want us to learn. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ken, I'm very interactive. So if you can look up the text and then read a text for me, and then also we'll be discussing it. I'm going to actually open it up at this time for you to share also. So um, if somebody could read Genesis, my question, how did God begin the creation of man? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Could somebody read that, please? And everyone, is everyone there yet? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Everyone there? Read there. Let me hear you say amen. amen. Amen? Okay. So Genesis 2, verse 7. Um, please, somebody could read it out loud so everyone can hear. Anyone? I know this is the first youth section, and you're a 
feeling your way through, but uh, just be bold, huh? Come on. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Right on. So who, who did God create? Who was the first person God created? It was who? Okay, Adam. Very good. You raise your hand. Very good. Okay, so Adam, right? So God created Adam. So did God create Adam and Eve together? He created what? Adam by, by himself. So the, in other words, he created Adam. And there was a time period where Adam was all alone with just him and who? And the animals, and who else, you think? God. So in other words, there was no mate. There was no soulmate. There was no one else all around. In other words, the first relationship Adam had was with God. So in other words, that's, that's applied to our lives. The first thing God wants for you, and this is four purposes we'll be looking at, what God wants for you. The first purpose is this. God wants you to have a relationship with Him first before anything else comes along in your life. True? What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen? He wants you to have that relationship. So there's four things. So the first thing is, have a relationship with who? God and God alone. Yeah? Okay, so that's the first thing that um, happens. Now, God already loves us, right? And He wants you to experience that love. So he, His love is already there, but He wants you to respond to the love that you have for Him at this time, right? Okay, now let's go to number two. Could somebody read Genesis chapter 2, verse 15? Okay, now the second thing. Now, we know the first thing, God wants you to have a relationship with Him first, you know, as a young person. He wants you to have that. The second thing God wants you to have is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And could somebody read this text, please? And this, we look at the answer. First thing is relation. We notice the thing is relationship with God. The second thing is Genesis 2, 15. Somebody, please. So the second thing that God did for Adam was the second purpose for, in creating man was for him to do what? Dress and to keep what? Garden. So what is that? When somebody dressed or to maintain or upkeep or to make, what did, what did he do? What was, it, what was he doing? He was a gardener. Very good. So he's a gardener. So, now, so Adam was a gardener. What is that when you have... When you're a gardener, what is that called? What do we call that? That is a, a job, a occupation. Do you guys see that? So the second thing God did for Adam, the second purpose in creating man was, first of all, he had, Adam saw the relationship with God alone. And the second thing was, then after he had a relationship with God, God gave to Adam an occupation or life work or life career work, Right? So after you get your relationship with God, that's what the next thing God wants you to do is He wants you to discover the life work that God has called you to do. What is life work? I mean, whatever it is, whether it's going to be a nurse, whether it's going to be an EMT, whether it's going to be an agriculturalist, whatever it is, God has a specific calling that He wants you to do. And you know who needs to discover this? Is it your parents need to determine who or what you need to be? Do you think that's true? You need this. You need to realize what God is calling you to do, right? You need to understand what is the calling that God is calling you to do. Now, I know young people who actually are doing what their parents are telling them that they need to do. Do you guys know anyone like that? Oh, why don't you be a nurse? Or why don't you be a doctor? Or why don't you be a dentist, right? You guys ever heard that before? 
There's no friends like that. So you need to discover for yourself, not be pressured by anyone, but you need to discover for yourself what is it that God wants you to do, right? And not other people. Any thoughts or questions on this? I know you're a tough crowd, but uh, <laughs> you can open any time. My wife. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True. Um, you know, who was it that gave, was it Adam? Who was it that, um, who was it that influenced Adam to do this life calling? Was there some other person that gave him this life calling or made him to do it? Who gave him the life calling according to this? God gave him to us. So God is the one that gives it to us, and we have to discover within ourselves what it is. Now, we honor and respect our parents, but we're not supposed to um, go against the life calling that God has called us to. You know, the parallel is the same in a church. We're not to dictate to people um, what we think their ministry should do. We should actually allow God to reveal to them what is the ministry God has called them to. That's what we should also do in church. So a lot of times we're dictating people what we believe they should be doing. So that's the second thing, God's the, the life calling. Okay, the third thing here. Let's go to the third thing. Genesis 2, verse 21 and 22. Okay, now notice what happens next. Okay, now you have a relationship with God. Now you have a life work. And the third thing, can somebody read, please? Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. Please. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead Okay, so God created Adam, but what's the next thing God did? He what? He took a rib, and then what did he do? He made a woman, right? So then God brought a woman. In other words, then there was a woman, and you know, this woman was the exact perfect match for Adam. So this was this Adam's perfect soulmate. You ever heard that before? So this soulmate was, was given to Adam. Now, who is the one... That did Adam find Eve? According to the text there in your Bible, did Eve find Adam? What happened? According to the text, what does it say? Very, very good. God was the one that brought. In other words, if you trust in God, God's going to bring to you the soulmate that God He has for you. What do you say, huh? Amen. Amen. He's going to bring the right person into your life at the right time. In other words. Adam wasn't searching for Eve. He wasn't searching, trying to make it all happen. God made it happen. And he was the one that brought them to each other. Isn't that beautiful? Do you see people trusting in that way today? They think, oh, that guy's cute, right? Or that girl's, you know, she's beautiful, right? That's what they're doing. And then, oh, she's, he's funny, you know? And they're doing these things, but is that really, I mean, God's plan for our lives? She's not cute. I mean, she's... <laughs> <laughs> But is that, is that what we're seeing? We're not seeing that today, right? So now you see, first of all, we need to have a relationship with who first? Number one, what? With God. And the second thing God does, He what? He, we need to discover our what? Our occupation, right? Our life work. And then the third thing, after, after that, what happens? We are to what? Find our what? Our soulmate. You like that word, our soulmate. Okay. So that's the third thing, right? Okay, the last thing is... Turning me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. So, what was the last purpose of God in creating 
man. Could somebody please read that? Now look at the four purposes, right? We did one, two, three. Let's go to the fourth one. Okay, what did they have after they got together, the soulmates got together, they got married? What happened next? They reproduced, right? <laughs> They're fruitful and multiplied, right? Okay, and they had what? They had children, right? So, God wants us to multiply. So, in other words, number one, we have a what? Relationship with who first? God, very good. Okay, and the second thing we have, um, God wants to discover our what? Okay, a life occupation, very good. And the third purpose in God in creating you is what? We, we are to find our what? Our soulmate, right? And after we find our soulmate, the last thing that God um, wants us to do is to what? Be fruitful and multiply or have children, right? Do you guys see those things? That's the fourth thing. Now, does that make sense to you? Now, think about it. <laughs> think about this. What if... Well, think about this. God wants you to have a relationship with Him first. Why? Because if you have a relationship with Him first, then He's going to help you to discover the second step, which is to find your what? Life calling, right? And if you have your life calling, you work in place. And in other words, if you have your life calling, you're making money, and you're able to support your what? Your wife, your soulmate, right? And when you have your soulmate, right, then when you actually get married, then you are, you're able to have what? You get married, you have what? Children, right? Do you see that? And all the way, God and all these things, right? Do you see how the, the four purposes in creating, creating you and me, right? So that's the four things. Now, today's culture, contemporary culture here today, right, contradicts God's four purposes for your life. And well, how in the world does that contradict? You see, today's culture, you're seeing young people having sex, right, Outside of marriage, is that true? Do you see that? Okay, so they're having sex out of marriage. So when they have sex outside of marriage, what happens when they have sex outside of marriage? What happens? And then unprotected, what do they get? They have babies. So now I want you to notice that it's going completely opposite. So now they're starting on the opposite end, and they're having children first. Is that true? And young at 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old. Is that true? And do you think they're going to be happy the rest of life when, you know, the next boyfriend again and the boyfriend says, you know, this is boring. I don't want to be stuck with a, you know, one-year-old. I'm only 18 years old. I want to have fun. I mean, is that true? You think that's going to be a happy life for that woman to be raising her child all alone by herself? Miserable. I'm telling you, it's miserable. She feels like her childhood has escaped her. She's been cheated on life because she had a baby too young. Why? She went totally opposite to God's purposes. She had children out of wedlock. The boyfriend leaves her. She's raising a child by herself. Has, has that ever happened? Yeah, it has. Okay, so now they're going backwards. What's the second thing that happened? So, what, well, it, it leaves them. Number one, so in other words, first of all, you see that they're having children. And then now they realize after they had, they had children, then they're with this, this spouse. And all of a sudden, because we had a child together and we got to raise a child, what did they say that we, we need to do? We need to what? Get married. Do you see that? So the first thing is that, oh man, we, you know, we had children. It may have been a mistake. Now all of a sudden, the second purpose is that, oh, we need to... Hey, go ahead. At times, sometimes the girl is a victim of rape. True. Okay. So that's really not her fault. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes the victims of rape, yeah. And though today, like in, you know, they take you to the hospital, they have the morning after pill. They take a pill the next morning after the rape, and, you know, the child won't, you know, it's not going to continue on. So, but you're right. That happens too, right? Unfortunate. But for the most part, majority of times it doesn't happen, though. I mean, you've seen this trend, though, out there that's happening, right? You guys see this trend? How many of you guys see this trend? Let me see your hands. Okay, you guys see. You guys are with me. Okay, good. Okay, so now you see, first of all, they're having children. Then they say, okay, now we, you know, we messed up with children. Let's get married. And now my question is, was that person they married, was that their soulmate? They're stuck in a situation. Is it, hey, let's make the best out of this situation, and let's just get married and make the best out of it. But my question is, are they truly happy? If they haven't married a soulmate that God has called them to marry, are they truly happy the rest of their lives? Most of the time, they're miserable. Not only miserable that they, they missed out on life because they got pregnant at 16 or 18, they broke God's first purpose, but now they're going backward. The second purpose is that they're, they're, they're saddened that they married the wrong person. They wake up in the morning, they turn over, and they see that this, was not the, this is not the person I truly love. Third step. What happens after they realize they had a child together, and then they got... Um, they got married when they shouldn't have gotten married. And what happens? Uh, what's the next thing that happened? You tell me. They need money. Ah, they need what? Money. They need money. Very good. So now they need money. And because they need money, what's they going to do? What do they need to do? Work. Okay, now they're working. Now my question is, are they working to the life calling that God has called them to? No. So now you're going backwards, right? So now they got children. They're messed up, and unhappy, miserable. Then they married someone they're not in love with. They're more miserable. And then they're working at a job, 9 to 5, 40, a day, 40 hours a week, to a job they never loved, they hated. God never called them to that job. Can you imagine what kind of life that is? You guys know people like that? Let me see your hands. It doesn't end there. And now because their life is so messed up, because they had children when they're young, now because they have a married to someone they do not love, now they had a job that they completely hate, their life, they look at their life and they see that their life is so messed up, they finally turn to God. <laughs> is that true? Sometimes, huh? Do you guys see that, what happened? So Satan, what he has done, he is taking God's four purposes and he has switched it around. Do you guys see the contrast here on page four? You see how he switched things around? God wants us to establish a relationship, relationship with him first, right? And then when we love him, he's going to help us to discover our life calling and also be able to support our family and to also find the soulmate that he wants us to have and then also to be filled with the love of God that we can treat our spouse and our children with love and respect with the love of God that we have with God first. But if we go to Satan's way, which we've been choosing, right? Your life would be messed up. Any thoughts on this? Questions? You guys thinking? Where do you, which way do you guys want to go? You want to go the good way? Man. How many of you guys want to go the good way? How many of you guys want to be happy? You want to go the good way, right? This is the good way, right? Is that God's way the best way? What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. God's way is the best way. Any questions, thoughts?
Okay, let's go to the next text. Genesis 1, 27. Genesis 1, verse 27. Genesis 1, verse 27. What were we created in? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can share with someone who has. If you have a Bible, you can share with someone else. Genesis 1, 27. And could somebody read that, please, that text? created in the what? Image. image of who? God. The God, right? The Godhead. So we're creating the image of God. Now my question is, who is God? God what? God is love. Amen. First John 4 verse 8 says, God is what? Love. love. So now that we were creating the image of love. So you were created to love and to be loved. Because that's what God is, right? So no, no, that's why within every one of you, you want to be loved and you want to love. Why? Because that was implanted in your heart by God and saw because you were created in His image, which is love. That's why you want to be loved. You want to experience love and you want to love someone else. That is within your heart. You want to do all these things. Now, unfortunately, there are many people out there who are not experiencing this love. And so what they're doing, because they're not filling their, within your heart there is a hole for God's love first. And because you're not filling your heart with God's love, many young people are going out and they're trying to fill the hole in their heart with another person's love, with another guy's heart, love, with another girl's love. They're trying to fill that hole in their heart. Do you think that hole ever fills up if it's not filled up by God? So what you have is you have young people who have become addicted, like a drug addict who's addicted to a high, who like to shoot up a high. You have young people who are addicted to being in love. They're not in love with that person, but they're, just in, they're addicted to being in love. In other words, they can be in a relationship for three months, and they can break up, and that very next week, they can be in another relationship. And then they can break up two months later, and then very next day, they can even jump to another relationship. You know anyone like that? Yes. <laughs> How many of you know anyone like that? Let me see your hand. You guys ever seen them in a mirror, maybe a time or two? <laughs> I'm just telling you because that was me. Because I was in a relationship, my, my, my heart had a hole in it. And it wasn't filled with God's love. So what did I do? I tried to fill that love from a relationship like a drug addict. I got a high from being in love. How many of you guys been in love before? Let me see your hands. I won't tell your parents. Come on, raise your hand. <laughs> Puppy love, whatever you want to call it. How many of you been in a relationship before? Let me see your hand. You know, do you know that feeling? It's like, it's, it actually is a high. It's an adrenaline rush when you feel that feeling of being in love, right? So when you go in that feeling of being in love and you jump, to the, you jump to the next relationship, you're going from a high to a high to a high. But do you really truly love that person is the question. Do you really love that person? Do you guys see that a lot of times what we call love is not really love? We're just addicted to being in love because we want, 
We're looking for love in all the wrong places, are we not? That's what we're doing. And the only cure for love addicts today is to get hooked on the high of God's love. What do you say, huh? Amen? That's what God wants for you, to get high on God's love. Okay, look at the next text. John chapter 17, verse 3. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is actually... Okay, well, John 17, verse 3. How do we obtain eternal life? John chapter 17, verse 3. By the way, you can fill in those blanks if you have time um, as we're going through this. If you can keep up. If not, you can wait till later. John 17, verse 3. And how do we obtain life? Could somebody read that, please? John 17, verse 3. So eternal life is based upon what? Knowing. knowing God. So that is a relationship with God. Now, this knowing, is it a casual relation, acquaintance? Or what does knowing mean? Love, okay? Now the Bible says, remember in Genesis it says, Adam knew Eve and they had a child. What does know mean in the Bible? It means to have what? It means to sleep with someone, right? So it's an intimate knowledge. So in other words, God wants you to have such an intimate relationship. In other words, a meaningful relationship with Him, not a shallow experience relationship with Him. And that's what God wants for you to have with Him. Now, see, the problem today is that um, we're living in a world today that God wants us to have meaningful relationships with one another, but a lot of times the relationships we have with a lot of people out there is very shallow relationships and I can see from the, this generation and actually it's been getting worse and worse throughout the generations but the generation living today and the younger generation our generation even younger your generation is today the relationships today are not meaningful relationships it's very shallow relationships and we're passing that over even to our churches and with God many young people today you've seen they're surrounded by tons of friends at school but they're still lonely in their hearts. True? Many young people today are surrounded by family at home, but they're still empty on the inside. Many young people today, they have a thousand friends on Facebook, but they have absolutely no one to open up their hearts to. Is that true? In other words, I know young people, they're on depression pills, teenagers, and they have tons of friends. They have 600 friends on Facebook. They are, all of, they are always talking and chatting. And you know what? They are lonely as if they have, there's no one around them. They feel no one understands them. They have no close friends to confide in. They have absolutely no one. They can open up the deep, the deep meaningful relationship. They have shallow. It means nothing. And so we've seen that today more and more. And if they're not getting... And the problem is that they're searching for love and they're searching for love and attention from their own parents. Because within, I tell my daughter this all the time. I say, Anya, my little girl. How many of you know my daughter, Anya? Can you see? Okay, okay, you're getting to know her. Seven years old. If, if you were to ask her, what do you have a hole in your heart for? She would tell you, for my daddy. I trained her. Wow. <laughs> for my daddy, she tells you. In other words, within every single one of you, there is a desire to love and to be loved, not only by God, but by your parents. They are your creators. They created you. 
So you have a desire to be loved by your mom and by your dad. Whether you have a mom or you don't have a dad, it doesn't matter. It's still in there. Man and woman together make the image of God. So they create the picture of God for you. And within, within your heart, you have a desire to be loved by them. And if you don't get this love from them, where do you think people seek, young people seek this love from? If they're not getting it from them. Where do you think they're seeking this love from? Other people. Very good. Like what? In, in what way? Like in a boyfriend-girlfriend? Is that what? Boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, right? Um, maybe other people that's not there. What about even getting into trouble? Let me tell you a true story. This is from a young person who went to one of our academies. And this academy on the mainland, Southern California, Southeastern California. <laughs> this young girl told me that my friends, they get in trouble at school on purpose. And I said, why? Why would you want to get in trouble on purpose? I said, they get in trouble on purpose just to get attention from the parents. Hmm. You know what I said? I said, why would they do something so crazy? Why would they want to get in trouble? Why do they want to get kicked out of school? Why do they want to get suspended? Just so that mom and dad would come and be forced to spend time with them. Because I said, I said, that is negative attention. You know what she said to me? She said, negative attention, but attention nevertheless. You see, their parents are so professional. They spend so much time working. They spend so much time on their project. They spend so much time in church. They have no time to spend with their children. And you know what I came to the realization? That, um, you know how I spell love? I spell love, T-I-M-E. Is that true? And these parents, you know, parents today, they think, wow, I, I did everything for my daughter. You know, I put a roof over her house. I gave her money when she wanted. I gave her a good education. I bought her a car. You know, I did all these things for them. I gave them clothes. I gave them whatever she wanted. And yet still she rebelled against me. Why did they rebel? Because they didn't, give, they didn't give that child the one thing that child longed in their heart. You know what that was? Time. And I can give you example after example. You know, we have a school that profits, and I hand this out. This is our school we have in Hawaii, nine weeks in the summer. And we had a student here this summer. And um, his mom had cancer. She was dying. And by the way, this kid got kicked out of academy for drug use. Then I asked him, what, you know, after a while he started opening up to me and said, you know, why, why, why did, what turned you? And you know, he said to me, he said, you know, Pastor Kiala, I was a good kid when I was growing up. I never got into trouble. I love my parents. I want to make them so happy. Anything to make them happy, I did it. I want to make them proud of me. That's what I wanted. But when my mom got sick, I got angry at God. I got angry at everyone else. And so I just kind of, I started getting into trouble. And then my dad, my mom, I couldn't spend no time with my mom because she had to go to another country to be treated. So I lost that relationship. I was close to my mom. I wasn't close to my dad. He she had left me, and all of a sudden, with my dad. And I remember at this school, he said, ah, I, all I want to do, Pastor Kala, all I have left is my dad now. 
I love my mom, but I'm getting to know my dad now. We come to best friends. We never knew each other. All I want to do is make my dad proud. This is what he told me. I want to make him proud of me. That's all I got. I have, I'm the only child. He's making good progress. And then one day his father came to the school. He, visited. he was visiting him every week. Every weekend he was coming by. And then one weekend he came to the school, and he came to his, uh, his son. And I remember, I'll never forget that day. He told his son that he, brought, he actually brought someone over to live with him. And he's so much involved in the church and ministry. He said, son, here's another 16-year-old your age. And I feel called by God to spend time with this other boy and mentor him and train him in evangelism and put all my time here. And I'm going to do all this for this child. And I'm sorry, but I can't visit you anymore every weekend that I come out. You know what I did to that kid? You know how hurt he was? He told me, his dad was starting a school. He said, Pastor Kerala, I don't want nothing to do with that school. And you know, here's the thing. In the name of God, the dad was using service of helping other people and neglecting his own family. Does that happen in the church, you think? And I'm a pastor. It's called a PK. It's like a curse for pastors. Pastors' kids. You ever heard of that before? How do you know pastor kids? They're the most craziest. They're the most rottenest kids out there. I mean, I know. I, hang, I used to hang out with them. Why? They neglect them. They neglect them. And they're doing it all in the name of God. They're neglecting their children and doing it all because they say, oh, this is for God. Oh, this is for the church. And not only pastors' kids, but maybe your father's an elder or whatever. Or maybe your parents are involved in church. And they had like three, four, five, six positions in the church. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Or maybe it's the work. Maybe they have two jobs. Making they, maybe they think that love is making a lot of money and giving you money and buying your love with money. Maybe they think materialism is love. But, beloved, there's only one thing. What, this, what the whole Bible is about is, it's about relationships, is it not? Relationship, meaningful relationship, knowing God, that's eternal life, and relationship with your parents. That's what God called us for, to have meaningful relationships today. And that's why God wants us to experience that in the last days. I want meaningful relationships. How about you? You want this? Let me, want this? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. I want that. Deep relationships, huh? Not this shallow kind of stuff, but real. And not only with our friends, but especially with our parents. And sometimes people, they like to put up a front. I know young kids. I've done this before. I just came from an academy. I spoke there on this relationship. I uh, took some parts of this. And, um, you know, sometimes they, people who crack a lot of jokes on the outside, the Bible says, um, though you may be, um, laughter may be on the outside, but the inside is um, emptiness. You know, so a lot of times people like to laugh and joke off their problems to look like they're having fun, but deep down inside they're hurting. How do you know? Because that's how I was. I used to pretend that I wasn't hurting. And to make it look like I was everything okay, I was the you know, life of the party, make everyone laugh, but inside I was hurting. Could that be possible? You think maybe people here could be hurting? They'd be looking like, oh, I'm all happy, go lucky and friendly and funny, but deep down inside maybe something's missing. I think so. It's good to think about these things, huh? Look at the last text. Turn me to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. 
What is the last message to be preached before Jesus comes? This is the last message to be preached. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Could somebody read that, please? Somebody who hasn't read. Anyone? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. The last message to be preached to all the world right before Jesus comes and parallel to the second coming of Christ. In other words, the last message to be preached to the world um, before Jesus comes again is the message of the restoration of the home. What's going to happen? God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and He's going to turn the hearts of the children to what? To the fathers. In other words, there's going to be a restoration of the home. There's going to be a revival of the family. There's going to be a powerful movement for meaningful relationships rather than shallow relationships. True? And God's going to use the last generation to realize this and to experience it and to teach it, I believe, in these last days. And before Jesus comes, he, this is going to happen. You know why? Because God is in the business of restoring homes. Right? I'm going to share a personal testimony. I grew up, um, we, were, we were raised actually Catholic, and my mom came into church when I was younger. There were eight of us, and I was the youngest. My older kids were raised all Catholic, but we were raised on the last end as Seventh-day Adventists. And my dad was an alcoholic. And my dad was such that he gets so much in his binge. i tell you a true story. My dad came um, home one day, and... Uh, I wasn't there, but he came home, he was all drunk, and he threatened my mom, he's going to kill her, and he, he pulled a gun out, and he was shooting rounds through the ceiling. That's how serious it got. So she called the police on him. So police came, gun was away, he said, no, nothing's happening, you know, I'm okay. And the police said, well, there's nothing we can do, we can't arrest him, you know. So they went outside, and they left. Then my dad was mad. He got the gun, and he, my mom locked herself in the room, and he, he charged after her. He broke down the door, and he came right at her, and then he was jumped by the police just in time. They had waited for him to come back. They threw him in jail. That was the, situ- that was the home life. My dad used to come home, my mom all drunk, and my mom and my dad used to be... Um, my mom used to tell us in all our family to say, and used to tell us, quick, dad's home. Go, go run into the back shed. Quick, dad's home. Go, go hide in the car. That was, that was my life growing up. Do you, think, do you know how I felt about my dad? I hated my dad. I did not like my dad at all for what he was doing to my mom, for what he did for us. And I hated it. It was a horrible life. And then what happened, my dad got converted. He got in a major car accident. He was right in front of the hospital. They carried him to across the street to the hospital. They turned him upside down because he had lost so much blood in his brain that they had to put blood in his, in his brain just to keep his brain alive and to keep him alive. And then he, he said, Lord, if you save my life, then I'm going to give my life to you, which he did. But my, by the time my dad got baptized, I was, 18, I was in senior in high school, 17 years old, 
And I was on my way out, and so it's great for you, Dad, but I'm leaving. So I left home, and I still had a bitterness in my heart for my dad. I don't know if any of you here have a bitterness for your family. Maybe your, maybe your dad left you. Maybe your mom left you. Maybe you're living with your grandparents. Maybe you're just, they're home, but it's still hurting you by the words that they say to you. Who knows? But I know there's hurt out there because we live in a sinful world. So I was angry at my dad, and then I, I went away, and then I did my own thing in the world, and I was having fun, and God then converted me. I got my conversion experience, and God converted me. And then I went, came home, and I went into the ministry, and I studied for the ministry, and then I felt that I need to restore my family. And then I wanted to go home and make things right by my dad. So I went home, and I talk, started talking to my dad, and I tried to reconcile with him. And I realized that my dad had changed, I had changed, but... I realized that our communication was broken down. We didn't have a meaningful relationship. And I've always wanted that. When I was a kid, you know what my prayer was? God, please let me have a normal home. You ever pray that prayer? You know what I realized? I never had a normal home. And what is a normal home? Because I look around now in youth ministry, where is the normal home? Where is it? It's not there. And so I said, God, that was my prayer. And God answered that prayer. But you know what? Even though we were, we were born, we are Christians, my dad has so messed up his life. He wanted to reach out to me, and he couldn't. He knew why? Because he didn't know how to. His whole life, he didn't know how to have a meaningful relationship. And he wanted to, so you know what happened? I had to reach out to my dad. I was younger, yes. And I had to go out, and I had to make the relationship. I had to turn off the TV. None of this staring at TV and I mean talking to each other for three hours. I turned it off and we start talking and we build a relationship. And you know, we build a beautiful relationship. My dad passed away about five years ago. But you know, we have beautiful memories because we build a meaningful relationship. Isn't that what it's all about? Meaningful relationship. It was beautiful. And some of you have parents, some of you have a mom or a dad, you know, and they love you. Regardless of what they've done to you, maybe they haven't been there for you, they love you, you know what? You don't stop praying for them. And you know, even if they're in your, your presence, you maybe have to be the one to reach out to your parents. You may have to reach out to your mom. You have to reach out to your dad. Because you know what? They love you, but they don't know how to express the love. All they know, all they think about love is giving you money. All they think about love is buying you clothes. All they know about love is just sending you the good education. That's what they think love is. But you know, love is time. And just teach them. Maybe God's using you, and he brought this right here. He wants you to experience this. Why? Because he wants you to understand that true love is built upon time. My daughter wants to spend time in me. She wants it. She loves it. And everywhere I go, I take my family. Everywhere I go. My family is more important than my ministry. My family is my ministry. My speaking engagements, that's nothing. My family is first priority in everything I do. You know, God blesses. God blesses because of that. You know, we went to one church. I lose money in my speaking engagements. I praise Army. You know, they pay for my, my wife and I. You know, they don't always do that. Because Army believes in family. It's beautiful. I went to this one speaking engagement in the mainland, and I lost, you know, about $1,000 in, in the hole because of it, because I'm flying my wife and my daughter. They only pay for the speaker, right? And they don't pay us. You know, we, we don't, I don't charge any fee because the gospel is free. So I went to this one church, and then they found out what I did, and I lose money on being my family. And they, they took an offering, and took offerings for me. And you know what? You know how much money they collected? Not $1,000, $2,000 they collected. 
more than enough. I believe you put your family first, you put God first, God's going to bless you because you do put Him first. What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. That's what God wants you to put Him first. Put your family first. And then He's going to bless you in a powerful way. I want to read you this story as we close. This is the last story here. This is the end. Um, and you can follow along in your handout. It's on page number seven. Powerful story. Let me read it to you. It says, A young father had wandered far away from God. Page seven. Conclusion. A young father wandered far away from God and he had reached the end of his hope. He had thought of suicide. But then God touched his life. He had a son who was lonely and rebellious. The boy began to steal things around the neighborhood, everything that was around, to gain attention. Noticing that his father had changed in just two short weeks, he noticed all the changes that his father had done. He asked, Dad, Dad, what's happened to you lately? This is this rebellious kid who was stealing everything in the neighborhood. Father replied, Well, son, I guess I made a mess of my life. And I decided that I asked God to take it over and show me how to live it. The boy looked down at the floor. Dad, he said quietly, I think I like to do that too. The father stood there, deeply moved, and both of them, him and his boy, they hugged each other and they wept together. The last, the next day, the father, he went to New York on business for a few weeks. He's eager to come back home and he finally came back home. He came back to the airport. And then at the airport, his, his son came through and to the crowd and ran out to his father. And his eyes were excited and were full of joy. And he said to his father, breathlessly, he says, his voice full of wonder, he said, Do you know what God has done for me, father? Not only has he changed me, the father said, No, son, what has he done? He said, Not only has he changed me, but he has changed every single kid in my class. And don't miss the point. Here's the point. When God truly changes you, He's not only going to change you, He's going to change your family. Here's a prayer that you should pray, and I pray, Lord, change my home by changing me. In other words, you want a different home? Don't wait for your dad to do it. You want a different home? Don't wait for your mom to do it. You want a home that is happy and full of joy? You start it. You make the difference. You make the move. You tell your parents, Dad, I want to spend more time with you. Dad, Mom, can you please work less? You let them know. You make the difference. And God's going to change your home. How? He's going to change your home by changing you. And if you surrender your life to Him, God can do great wonders and He's going to lead us through a child. Can He not? How many of you guys want this? I want this this morning. How about you? If this is your desire, then would you raise your hand at me this morning, this afternoon? Amen. Amen. Praise God. There's a God who loves you. And He wants you to experience His love. And He wants you to experience happy homes. You know, our churches are not going to go anywhere unless our homes are happy. And we be willing, is my question. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the study here. We thank you for the lessons you have for us. Lord, change our homes by changing us. Bless everyone here. And I pray, Lord, that you may fill them with your love. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus we ask. Amen.
This message is produced by a loud and clear call ministries. Our mission is to uplift God's character of love through the preaching and teaching of the everlasting gospel in this generation. For more information on our ministry and the resources we provide, please go to our website at www.aloudandclearcall.org. That's www.aloudandclearcall.org. Mahalo and God bless.